Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. On today's episode of Clit Talk, we have a very special guest from the hit series Orange is the New Black, discussing the prison of the patriarchy, the ins and outs of being a Hollywood starlet, and the trickle-down effect of this plastic perfection into the social media of everyday people like you and me. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex ed you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomashauer, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times best-selling book, Pussy, a Reclamation. So, Katie, you brought someone super exciting with you into the studio. Yes, I did, Eve. So, this amazing woman is from Palo Alto, California. She is a Yale graduate, a musical theater buff. She had a really funny show where she talks to her famous cat for advice on sexting. (laughs) It's amazing. She's also a two-time winner of a Screen Actors Guild Award for an outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. And she also got to make out with her husband on screen of her show, Orange is the New Black. We have Julie Lake with us today. Thank you. Shit, I didn't know we had a Yale grad in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Serious shit here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We met in acting class and fell in love after we played, um, who do we play? We played uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford from Feud. And most of our rehearsals, we spent crawling around the floor pretending to be animals and monsters. Yes. Scratching out at the windows. Like. We are truly insane acting freaks. Yeah, we're pretty, we got pretty method on that one. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about a concept that's discussed in the book, Pussy, a, Recul- a Reclamation. <laughs> an, an Erection-mation? An, an Erection-mation. An Erection-nation. But, but, an ere- but an, a nation full of cloners instead of boners. Yes. Oh, that's right. Cloner is a clip boner. For those of you who can't see us, which is all of you, uh, Sugar is literally taking her finger down and showing us what a cloner looks like, like all of us don't have clits and kind of know what that might be like. <laughs> it's all good like under the hood. <laughs> Oh, it's endless. It's endless. We could go on forever with the um, pussy jokes here. So so today we're talking about the PWC, the patriarchal world culture. And for 5,000 years, the PWC has basically like 
the air we breathe. It's something humanity has been swimming in and tolerating. And whether you're a man or a woman, you could be impacted in all kinds of ways from this hyper-masculine society, from homophobia to how much you get paid, to the lengths we're willing to take to look good. And whether it's a Barbie body or washboard abs, people have been totally obsessed with this unattainable, picture-perfect, maxim image that ultimately determines our value as human beings. And here at Clit Talk, we say, time's up. Time's up. Bitches. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, fuck that. But Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, and at Clip Talk, we say, fuck that. (laughs) Fuck that shit. I seriously thought she was going to do that too. I was like, yes, Katie. But then, of course, you got creative and you did Time's Up. I mean, we like brought, you know, a movement into our movement. It was the classier way. (laughs) Are we saying we're not classy? Yeah, pretty much. No. Me and me and Sugar are not classy. <laughs> well, it's pretty cool because, like, Julie got to be a part of, like, the world seeing the movement Time's Up at the, um, was it the, what award show was that? SAG Awards? Yeah, the SAG Awards. Can you tell us? Well, is it, there was, any? it was really at the Emmys when everybody wore black. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also went to the SAG Awards in a black suit. Oh, you did? Because... Mm-hmm. Time was up for me, too. And also, I fucking hate wearing a dress and Spanx and heels and all that bullshit. So for this SAG Awards, I was like, no more. I'm going to be comfortable. I wore flats. Um, I felt great. And it was awesome. (laughs) There is something about wearing flats and a pantsuit that just, like, makes you feel so feminine. Because you're comfortable. And um, it's just so liberating that you don't have to make yourself all up and not be able to move. It's true. Like, my first two SAG awards, I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. Mm. My feet were in so much pain that I just wanted to go home. More than anything, I wanted to go home. I wanted to get my shoes off. And it wasn't just me. It was every girl in my cast was like, ow, ugh. Like, everybody's complaining. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wearing, like, 20 layers of Spanx. I've got, like, nipple tape on. Like, (laughs) they they did, like, eight hours of makeup. And I'm, like, a newbie to all of this shit, so I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm wearing, like, the one dress that actually kind of fit because, like, everything's a size nothing. And so you're just sort of, like, left with, like, whatever you can, like, squeeze your body into. Um, Yeah, and I was always, like, so envious of my husband who just would take five minutes to put on his tux. And he's done. And look you gorgeous, know, and right? Look, look great. And so for this this year, I was like, no more. Never again. I will never wear Spanx. I will never wear high heel shoes. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, really, really paving the way for, like, something else. Like, something different than the norm. Like, it's, like, yeah. your generation and, and the women like you who are really, like, there's actually another option, and you can feel totally empowered by it. Yeah, it's interesting how when you're an actress, suddenly, like, you also have to be, like, a model and, like, model gowns and, like, take beautiful pictures and know about fashion. Like, I went to, I was on a red carpet where they were asking me all these questions about fashion. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm like, that's, like, not my thing, but it's just supposed to be my thing now, you know? I'm like, I don't, not only do I not know, I don't fucking care. Right. At all. 
But then I felt for me, like I always felt like, oh, well now I have to pretend to care about these things and I have to like scurry around and like pretend to be what I'm not because this is what actresses are supposed to be. And I've only finally got to the point where I'm like, no, like I don't have to like try to look glamorous all the time. I don't have to wear makeup when I walk around outside. I don't have to be anything other than what I am. And Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't have to post glamorous selfies. Like I hate all of that. It's, it's nonsense. So, yeah. What a relief to hear you say that. (laughs) Yeah, I think people connect to the authenticity of who you are. So just keep it up. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I have a question. Did you guys get shit for wearing pantsuits to the SAG Awards? Like, what was that experience like? Or was everyone, like, really, like, having... Well, let's see. I mean, I didn't get shit for it. I don't think I particularly, like, I don't, I, I feel like, I feel like it wasn't even really a thing. You know, like people are just like, hey, I'm like, hey, like nobody was like, great pantsuit. They were just like, hey, what's up? Let's go drink some champagne. Like yeah. it seemed to just like, I just kind of flew under the radar like that, you know? Well, and the thing with that is like with people in the industry, it's totally normal for us, right? It's the image that the media wants to pump out to the world that you have to look this certain way. Mm-hmm. But in the day-to-day industry of everyone who's working, they're like, I don't think it would even cross my mind. Like you just said, no one said anything, but people who are taking Taking the pictures and putting it in the magazines, doing the best dress, worst dress, what was she thinking kind of thing is just put so much pressure actually on the people as a culture. And um, I don't know. I What do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think, see, I, I really avoided like the best dress, worst dress. Like I don't Google my name. I don't look at any of that. So I don't actually really know if there was any reaction to that in the outside world. So I'm more thinking about like the actors and people I know, like everybody's so, they're so much caught up in their own shit and worried about how they look. But I do feel like, like one of my friends on the show, like right away, like I think it was like the after party, she was looking and like she was already on some worst dress list. And like she started crying. She was fucking upset, you know? And I'm like, you look great. Like you have a funky style. You like are doing something different, you know? But like she was completely hurt. And it's just, it is like, it's it's hard when there's all this pressure of like, oh, well, if I don't look good, I'm going to be publicly shamed. Like, I think that's just, it's just wrong. Like it's sick and it's mm. wrong. I remember when Diane Keaton came out and she had her own cool style with the pantsuits. And that was quite a while ago. And she looked fabulous. I don't remember anyone putting it down. But, you know, it was because she did it with complete empowerment that everyone was like, cool, look at Diane Keaton with her pantsuit and more of a masculine look at all these different events and just was her style. And to this day, she's someone that we all look up to as a woman. She's really exemplified what it means to be a real person in Hollywood, and I like that. I think you're on that path, right? Uh, I, I, wonder, so. though, yeah. I wonder if there's, like, ever any reservations for you, though, that it's going to, like, affect your career or anything like that. Do you ever feel like there's pressure there that if I don't conform, then... I only feel that with, like, social media stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like a lot of actresses, like on social media post a lot of like really pretty pictures and you know and then (laughs) I feel like well if I don't like show that I'm a beautiful woman like people won't like think of me for those types of parts you know um but but uh, I don't know I just I don't have the ability to (laughs) put makeup on and (laughs) I just don't I just can't do it you know I just can't do it um but 
But then there's also that thing where it's like anytime I have done like a beautiful selfie, like just decided to post a beautiful selfie, it'll get like thousands of likes. Like those are by far the most popular posts that I ever do. And if it's just like me with no makeup, like doing something fun or whatever, like nobody gives a shit. So I think that's another thing that's wrong with our culture. It's like all these young people are like, yes, show me more beautiful people, pretty people, because that like beauty is just so valued, like way overvalued in a woman, you know, like we have so many other things to be valued for. Like, why is it like, oh, you're so pretty, so beautiful, gorgeous, blah, blah, like, like, fuck that. Like enough of that. Come on. Yeah, and that's that's what I really noticed watching um, Orange is the New Black is that for me as a viewer was one of the first times I ever saw women without makeup, women just being real, women of all kinds of age ranges, ethnicities and everything, just themselves, mm-hmm. you know? And that to me was, um, it's like permission. So even though you might not get 3,000 likes for you in your pajamas with no makeup, you still are um, affecting the subconscious minds of the of the women who do see it, and they're like, "Wait, here's a famous actress. She's quote successful, and look at her. She's just being herself. Maybe I can be myself on my social media too." Yeah, I had I had a moment. So I have three step kids, oh, wow. and yeah, and the youngest is a, a girl, and she's six. And the other day, and I, I literally like. I really, I realized my heart dropped and I realized I needed to educate myself on how to talk to her about this. Cause she goes, she was looking at herself in the mirror and she was playing dress up <clears throat> and she goes, do I look pretty every day? And she is, she is beautiful. She is physically beautiful. And I was just like, oh my God, she's six. Yeah. And she's already thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And my niece who's seven for the last two weeks has been telling my sister that she thinks she's fat oh and God. she's not. And so I, I sat her down and and I was like, you are beautiful. And what do you think makes someone really beautiful? And, and we kind of discovered it together. And I said, it's actually when you're kind. Like kindness makes you beautiful. Um, but I, I realized in the moment, like, and I didn't know what to say to her. And I also realized like the impact of like my behavior in front of her. Yeah. And like you, you have that on an even bigger platform. So I, I'm, I actually acknowledge you. Like I don't think you know the impact you have by just being your unapologetic, beautiful self, and like who you are, like inside, and like allowing people to see that, like yes, you are in Hollywood, and you'll post a makeupless selfie. And I think that it does. I think it does have an impact for like those six year olds out there that are already like starting to buy into this PWC bullshit. Thank you. Yeah. And you've actually done a lot of interviews talking about the makeup. Like it literally took a couple minutes yeah. to, to do your makeup and hair. Like, cause you were, were a meth head. So there's like painting your teeth and like. You wanna talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So they painted my teeth. It was like a little like watercolor palette of like tobacco stain, coffee stain, <laughs> some other gross stuff that I can't remember now. Um, and they were so fast. It would take like 30 seconds. They'd paint it on. And then, you know, they they ended up doing like extensions and a lot of like grease in my hair. And, um, you know, they'd always just make me look worse than I did. So sometimes like, you know, darker circles or gross stuff on my face. But yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. fast. It wasn't that hard. Not a lot of time in makeup. It was make down, not make makeup. Down. It was definitely make down. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I read recently about um, this 
this uh, in production. They have now these facilities. They're kind of underground a little bit, but they'll take a piece of film and it'll be in the contract of the movie star, and they'll basically um, uh, what do they call it? Photoshop within the within the film because that's what the person wants, both male and female, Whoa. and it's big, can- big money. They big can money. Photoshop it's, video? Yep, and film. it's really That's expensive. Yeah. It's very expensive. It's in their contracts before they sign on to do the show. Yeah, I've worked on shows where people have done that, and it's like, it's crazy that what they can, how they can manipulate the footage to make you look like so much younger or your neck tighter or oh like take out the fine lines around your eyes. Wow. wow. Re- really an attainable image for young girls. I know. <laughs> but but men are doing it too, movie stars. Oh, really? Yeah. So, a, so that's the extreme, you know? Pants. You putting on a pretty uh, um, selfie on your Instagram, Julie, I think that's, that's all right. You know, because mm-hmm. when we feel good, it's okay to share that we feel good how we look, right? That's part of our empowerment. But really manipulating film to kind of propaganda that this is how people look when they're movie stars they're not regular people that that hurts society i think that definitely hurts us definitely they already have access to all the best like even if they don't do plastic surgery if it's some you know all the best facialists and like makeup artists and like hair yeah you know like i think that orange is the new black and having women um looking just the way that they look and doing the make unders is the first time really since the movie monster where um, Charlize Theron was so celebrated and people were like, how did this model do this to her body? Because she like gained all this weight and she like was this beautiful woman who made herself look ugly and she like won these awards. And it's like, yeah, that's that's great. But like, what is the message that we're sending out there? Because men can look dirty and rough and like gritty in films all the time like why is it like the one time a woman does or the one time one show does it's like so revolutionary yeah that always really did annoy me I was like anytime a woman doesn't look pretty on camera they're like she's so brave (laughs) (laughs) like so stupid they they actually say that yes I've heard that so many times Well, I do, I do wonder actually, because like being made under, you know, as much as we fight against like, you know, the PWC or whatever, like the way society is like, was there a moment for you when you were kind of like, oh, okay, I can't believe, like, I hope people don't think I really look like this. Or like, was it like, was it a little bit nerve wracking for you personally to be like, how, what was your experience with that? Um, yes. Only, like, for example, I, I started dating my husband after I had filmed, I guess, the first two seasons. And he had never seen the show. And I really did not want him to see it because I was afraid. Because I was like, oh, he thinks I'm, like, this pretty girl. And he's going to see this. And he's going to be like, oh, like, completely turned off. And, like, see me, only see my character and not see me who, for who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband really healed me like in certain ways in that extent. Like he, my husband, he does not care whether I wear makeup or not. Like he always says that I'm beautiful when I'm like barefaced. And when I put on makeup, it's like he doesn't even really notice. It's like, I think he might not even like it when I wear makeup. So that sort of changed how I viewed myself and my own beauty. Cause I just started feeling like I don't need, I don't need to do all this. I don't need to make myself over. I am beautiful 
how I am. And he confirmed that, you know, so. Did he say bring that character to the bedroom too? I want to check check her out. No. Let me get that meth girl in the bedroom. (laughs) No, but he did. He did. He thought I was really funny. He was like, you're really funny. And he was like really proud of me, you know? And so, you know, he's the keeper. (laughs) Okay, amazing. So I want to open it up because, like, we're talking about social media. We're talking about, like, how your celebrity can impact the world. And the thing is, is that there's no real separation between Hollywood and the regular person in today's social age. If you want to be seen, you can post anything you want and be seen. So people even make a career out of this. Um, And if you're willing to put yourself in in the box that the PWC deems beautiful, which is like pouty lips, hair extensions, big tits, and a fat yet cellulite-free ass, (laughs) it's basically a caricature of a woman. And the, the great thing about our show is that we have everyday women ranging from 23 to 50 years old from a whole variety of backgrounds. So. 51. And I'm 24 now. When when women get older, they're like, oh, you don't fit in that box anymore. You're, you don't get a job anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I first moved to L.A., I had a meeting with a big agent, and I was 29, I think. or tw- I was either 28 or 29. And he was like, yeah, you know, women approaching 30, like nobody has made it. Nobody except for... Um, <laughs> Eva Longoria? No, what, what, what's her name? Amy Adam? Wait, not Adam. What's her name? Amy, Amy Adam? Schumer? Amy, no. Um, you know, uh, very uh, famous. Amy Smart? Amy, Amy, Amy Adam? Yes. Amy Adams? No, it's no, not Amy Adams. Yeah, no. Amy Adams? Amy Adams. I had it right. Yeah, Redhead. Yeah, Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. Yeah, okay. Redhead. I'm not as idiotic as I thought. Her? Oh, yes. Yeah, Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. So he's he's like this big agent. He's like, yeah, no women like around 30 make it in this business. The only one I know is Amy Adams. And she got really lucky. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I'm like 28, you yeah. know? He's like, so, you know, maybe like do some comedy, make some videos, which actually is really good advice. But still, I felt so like brushed aside. And it was because he was like, you're too old. That was the message. He said, you are too old to make it at this business at this age. You're now over the hill at age 28. Well, you know what? Ageism is such a real thing. Um, I grew up doing ballet and I was on track to be a prima ballerina. And I was told over and over again that my career, all our careers were going to be over at 26. So we really needed to make the most of it. So I ended up having a knee surgery at 15. I went a totally different direction. I, I ended up clubbing and then I learned how to break dance in New York. And, and so then there I am, a B-girl in New York, which was super great. And then I approached 26. And I got more and more insecure about my age. And I, you know, I was breaking with 17 year old boys, 20 year old boys. And who am I? And I was hiding my age. I mean, I've been hiding my age since I was 14, trying to be older. And then when I got older, I started hiding it to be younger. And it's just so sad because now I look around and I see the people who I looked up to so much. And they're men in their 40s in hip hop who are bad asses and they're performing all over the world. And they're amazing and everybody's taking cues from them. And it's like, what did I have to be worried about at 26? It's so sad. And it's like, look at you, somebody telling you that right when you're arriving. And still young. (laughs) Like, super young. young. I mean, we're going to live to like 90, 100. 
shit. Like, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. But well, you did crazy. say men, that men are the ones that are in their 40s doing this. Yeah. I, I was thinking, so what women are there that are in their 40s doing that? You know what? Lucille Ball, like way back in the day, she said, you know, people said, well, how, how did you, you know, keep like, what do you think is the secret to your success over such a long period of time? She said, lying about my age. Wow. I just lied. Well, I think, the <laughs> I think it's was- the ticket. It's really the way to go to, in, no, in any industry, no matter what you're doing. Fucking no one's business. It used to be etiquette not to talk about it. I can hear your birthday party from last night in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> and no one knows my fucking age. <laughs> I also think it's interesting how, like, in Hollywood, like, the men will be like, if in their late 50s and 60s and then the wife has to be like 30 years old like so many of the parts I go out for are like mother of a 17 year old daughter and I'm 35 I'm like <laughs> really a 17 year old daughter but that's you know that's the mother of a 17 year old daughter on television is a 35 year old woman in Hollywood what's, yeah. the, Hollywood. what's the show that Reese Witherspoons is producing right now on um, Netflix Dirty Dirt. Big, big little big lies. lies. Right. Oh, that so because crazy. she's the producer or she owns the production company, the women on that show are my age, you know, uh, late 40s, early 50s. And they all have five-year-old kids in that show. So when I first watched the show, I didn't know Reese Witherspoon is the producer behind it. And she bought the rights to the book and all that. But I was clearly looking at the show and go, who the fuck cast these people? This is amazing. These are basically old ladies in Hollywood that I grew up with, and they get to be mothers of five years old. This is amazing. And I had to go look it up. Sure enough, it was Reese Witherspoon. And I think that's how we move, uh, evolve this culture that we live in, that women become in uh, places of decision-making so that we can change that concept and no more marketing people that are selling products to us and men. Once we get involved in the marketing of, you know, products or whatever it is, or producing TV shows, then we have the opportunity to change what that looks like, I think, for Hollywood, too. And that's exactly why we're having this conversation, right? Is because, like, we're responsible for buying into that, like, letting that mental game, like, let us decide. Like, we made a decision, oh, that's the way that it is. That's the only option. If I'm 26, I can't be a ballerina anymore. I can't be a dancer, yet men didn't buy into that. So that's exactly why we're talking about it today is so that we can really, like, shift when that come, when those patriarchal views, like, come into our Space and just subconsciously download that we can actually start to hear it and be like, oh, nah, mm-hmm. that's that's not that's not me. So, ladies, do you find yourselves altering your appearances to fit into that image that's pumped out of Hollywood and the whole social media machine where everyone's trying to imitate Hollywood? Well, I'll just say, I mean, I'm uh, wearing ex- I wear extensions. I have permanent extensions. And earlier we were talking about uh, the word extension, using extensions or other, various other things is sort of that culture amplified in, in women's day-to-day life. But I like my extensions, you know. They, there's something to, I choose when I partake and when I don't partake. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Do we ever really choose because of how many years we've been conditioned? Like, I'm almost ashamed to admit it. I did. I'm I'm a singer, right? So 
I did a, a professional like photo shoot for my social media, right? So I have these like beautiful pictures to post because that's what, you know, the managers and the people tell you to do. And then they're photoshopped a little bit to make you look a little bit better. And, and it's, I'm like in this conversation, I'm like almost embarrassed, but then there's this part of me that's like, but no, I got to be competitive with who, who's out there. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, what can I actually do? Like, is the, is that who I really want to be? But it's almost like embarrassing to like, it's, I'm still embarrassed to show my wrinkles on Instagram because no one else is doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, it's like, I don't know where to, and it's what like. What wrinkles? <laughs> yeah, I'm also like. Oh, well, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I did this photo shoot and I was like, damn, I look older. Yeah. I was like shocked. I was like, I look older. I'm 32. And I was like, I'm definitely not in my 20s anymore. And it's, it's weird. It's like, I'm a size eight and it's like, it, it, you know, for what I do, it's like, okay, I feel like there's two types of people that are rewarded. Maybe this is not just my opinion. There's like the Adele, right? It's like, she's full bodied, beautiful and embracing that. It's like, that's one extreme. And then you have like the size zero pop stars. And I'm like, where, where do like, what, what about the size eight girls? Like, what do we do? Like, where do we fit in? We're not, we're not, who's that like plus size model? The, the one who... She's like, and but it like it's almost like she's super rewarded, and then the very skinny people are rewarded is kind of what I feel. So it's like, where where do just the kind of the normal people go with a few wrinkles in their size like six or eight or whatever, you know? Yeah, and you think about and you think about Marilyn Monroe, you know, being a size eight, and how she became one of the most celebrated beauties in our culture, and so it's really interesting, you know. It's like when do we? You know, Lena Dunham, I think, gets talked about a lot as kind of that whole, like, she's so brave, you know, part of that conversation for just actually being naked and showing her body that is unconventional on television, even though it's a very conventional body to have. um, It was just, we've never seen that body on TV before. And um, it's funny because she always says, like, but I'm not brave because I actually think it's, I like being naked and that doesn't scare me, you know? Like fuck you guys, I'm not brave. That's right. That's right. It's insulting. It's insulting. It is. Sorry, that goes back to monster Charlize Theron being ugly and being celebrated for the rewarded for that. It's similar. But I do. I I want there to be a society when, like, as a woman artist, whatever you are, that it doesn't matter what you look like. You don't have to be some sexy little fucking pop star that that's not what women are valued for or promoted for in the same way that men they can look however the hell they want you know no like I always feel like with me and acting all people always tell me they're like well you're a character actress so blah 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 and and when I hear character actress what I hear is you're an ugly actress you know, and I know that isn't like exactly what that means. And they'll be like, no, but Meryl Streep is a character actress and she's beautiful. And I'm like, but why even have this conversation? Why can't I just be an actress? That's right. Why can't I just be an actress? It's not like every guy that walks around, they're like, well, he's a character. You know, like, you know, he's a fucking actor. And I'm like, you know, I think that I'm a pretty girl. Yeah. Like, and I'm sorry, but I maintain that I'm a pretty girl and like, fuck you. Stop calling me a character actress. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a box. The like they want to just put people in boxes. Yeah. That's you know that. what? You know, just thinking about, you know, you mentioned Lindsay, you mentioned Adele and um, Julie, you mentioned Meryl Streep. And here's two examples of women who... You know, and I can think of so many others, um, Francis McDormand, um, and they're women who focused on their craft. Mm-hmm. 
And when we focus on our craft and we're just talented as fuck, yeah. we show the world, I'm going to wear a pantsuit to the Oscars, bitches. I mean, Meryl Streep does that all the time, you know? And um, and so I think there's also a, a thing that we can look to men for, which is they've chosen to be free with certain things. They said fuck that a long time ago around caring if people have judgments about this or that. So the women who have also chosen to do that, the women of Orange is the New Black and, you know, so many other women that we can look to, wow, you know, we can just focus on our talent and expressing ourselves fully and let the job of judgment happens somewhere else, not in our minds, not stopping us from doing what we feel called to do in this life. Have any of you found that there's an impact of the patriarchal world culture for you in the bedroom with your partners? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I've shared this before, but like, um, I'm the boss a lot of the time, right? I, I, I'm in charge of the band. I book the shows. I, and my, quote unquote, employees are men. So there was a certain way that I had to kind of be to have them respect me. I had to be able to hang with the dudes. I was on a tour bus with guys for like two years. They talked about their poop and their boners (laughs) all the time. And I had to be okay with that. I had to hang. I had to basically be like, we would always, we would make the joke, right? Like, God, it's a good thing the music industry doesn't have a human resources department because none of us would have a job. Right. And I was just as raunchy as the guys. Like, I'm, I'm not— this, No, Lin, this Lindsay was not can my hang with the guys. Yeah. I can hang with the guys. With so, so I became that, <laughs> I became that woman, you know, in, in, to survive in a way. And I, I wasn't even upset by it. But then I'm with my boyfriend who I'm with now and— in the bedroom, I would be like bossy. Like I was the boss, like, no, do this. Like I want it. I want it hard and soft all at the same time. Or no, you said slow and hard. (laughs) I want it slow and hard. Like would get very specific. And, and I would make, like I had learned to like joke with men in a way. And, and my boyfriend was like, you know, it's cool. And I get that you do that with the guys that you work with, but I really feel castrated by like the jokes that you make. It's like, they're really emasculating. And I had like never thought about that. No guy I'd been with before had like had the frame of mind to actually point that out to me. He did it in a really loving way. He was like, can you not make jokes about like my flaccid penis? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, and so, and, and, and I've learned, and I'm learning, um, Eve is really good. She's helping to teach me how to like, kind of just be, in the bedroom and get everything I want by harnessing like my divine feminine energy and like just really gently asking for what I want. So I'm getting everything I want more and more. And I don't have to be this ball busting bitch in the bedroom. Cause I thought that was the only way I could like be it or I had just trained myself to be that way. So that was the impact in the bedroom for me. Like I was castrating my boyfriend and bossing him around and like not letting him be a man and 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 not knowing that I could actually get everything I want by being like super feminine about it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't porn part of the PWC? So I watched a lot of porn growing up. Um or not a lot, but when I would masturbate, like I would put on porn. Admit it, it was a I lot. I mean, it was a lot of porn, wasn't it, Sugar? Define a lot. It was a lot of porn, Sugar. It's not good. Right. Don't be ashamed. Okay. Uh so uh, th- that gave me a lot of ideas for what sex looked like. So, you know, like I've been getting Brazilian waxes since I'm 16. 
right? Because all the girls' pussies in the in porn are like, you know, they either have like a little landing strip or they're all gone. And then even the different positions and like how sex go, uh, how sex was done in porn was very like in out in out in out to and I didn't realize like when I was watching porn that it was for the camera to be able to like, actually capture seeing the penis going in the pussy and so I thought this is how sex was so I found myself having a lot of rough sex a lot of like in out in out in out rather than that what really what I, what I know really turns me on now which is slower sex that is actually your bodies don't necessarily leave each other they're like mm. I'm I'm pushing my hands together, like the palms of my hands, versus boom, 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 boom. So that's how I think it's affected me in the bedroom where I now get to see that, oh, me and my partner get to discover how to make love together. Like it's an art, not uh, something to recreate from seeing on porn. Yeah, speaking of of porn, um, one of my friends was doing some work in Africa with um, um, women who are affected by female genital mutilation, FGM, as part of their culture, you know, something that would happen to all the girls in in, uh, certain certain groups of people. And um, so I decided to Google it, and I, I Googled FGM, and I didn't find immediately anything about Africa. I stumbled upon all these stories of women who were lopping off their clitorises and doing it because they thought it was going to make their pussies look better um and more like a porn pussy and like i even found stories of just gleeful like this was in forums gleeful a woman just saying like yeah so we went there to take off my clitoris and i was there with my husband and we were there in the office having the consultation right before and i said you know what babe let's just do it let's take off the labia too oh my god and that's when i realized the impact of porn was way beyond how men were being with me in the bedroom or what I expected of myself or how I was behaving. It was literally affecting women, like self-mutilating in order to appear a certain way. And we know that women do that already with faces and breasts and noses and so many things. And just to discover, wow, it just has no end, this obsession with looking a certain way other than ourselves. Well, I, so when I started watching, okay, first of all, I think people who are a little older, like I said, I'm 35, we have that advantage of not having been watching porn as like teenagers, really, you know, like, I guess it was around, but it wasn't just like the internet wasn't flooded with it. So I feel like all my first sexual experiences were like discovering our bodies in like a real natural way without those ideas of what it was supposed to be from this external thing. So I feel really bad for young people today. Um, But also about the labia stuff, like later in my life when I started watching porn, I started noticing like no women have labia. And I started thinking like, oh, my vagina's weird. It's ugly. And I started looking into like labiaplasty. Mm -hmm. And it's such a huge thing now. And I did a lot of research on it just more because I was curious, not because I was really going to do it, but I just kind of interested in this thing because I suddenly had this insecurity. And it turns out that 
I read this article that said that the first Playboys, they made like all the pussies pink in the magazine because seeing the labia was like too stimulating and too dirty. Like, like it was like too much. Like it really turned men on, you know? So they made them like all sort of pink to sort of just like censor it a little bit. And then that became like the standard of what a vagina is supposed to look like. <laughs> you know? Like, wow. isn't that crazy? So and that's wow. why all the porn stars as like have labiaplasty and have like nothing going on down there and you know it's so it's the bad. Thi- the thing that was actually like so good has now been like reframed as like bad. Yes. But I've That's also heard crazy. that women that get, get their uh, labia trimmed, I guess, or cut, mm-hmm. that some of them that it's kind of so large that it rubs against the pants and stuff and they're uncomfortable and sometimes it even hurts during sex. So I think it's really a case by case thing. That's why what's really good is when, you know, that you go to a plastic surgeon if they can really talk about the emotional what is the purpose? If they say, oh, because I think mine looks ugly and funny, then hopefully the doctor go, well, here you go. Here's a whole bunch of them and they look just like yours. But there are cases where women are very uncomfortable physically and they feel so much better and sex is better for them. Have you guys heard of this? This is another one of my like research holes on labias when I suddenly had this weird insecurity. Um, there's like, there was this art exhibit where it was like, somebody took a mold of all these different vaginas it was like hundreds of vaginas and like you can see like what they all look like and like everybody has labia and they're all different and just looking at that I was like that's 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 awesome awesome. that that makes me feel better that's what real women look like (laughs) field trip look it up on the internet (laughs) yeah that's liberating and I'm blown away this conversation I didn't know people did labiaplasty I just I was wondering why some women had that in porn and I was just like, what, like, where is their labia? But I just imagine that people were born that way and there's something wrong with me. Like mm. maybe I gained a little bit too much weight and like maybe when you get older, like, you know, you have more labia or less or whatever, but I never imagined that people were, Almost um, all actually, porn stars get that surgery now. Whoa. I feel like labias can like flap in the wind if you let them. That's <laughs> what they're made to do. <laughs> and so, it feels so good. <laughs> so my question is to all of us, how do we break free from all of this? What are the practices we can bring into our lives that liberate us from this antiquated machinery that is the PWC into an exquisite balance of the masculine and the feminine. I think definitely first, let's talk about it, you know, like let's have a conversation where we're actually exploring like what's really there for us, which is, you know, what we're doing today. I think this is a really healing conversation. Um, Yeah, talk about it and get curious and like be responsible for, you know, know that when you're making a choice, like to do a beautiful photo shoot, like if you, if you're doing it because it makes you feel so beautiful and happy and like amazing, that's, that's one, that's one thing. But if you're doing it because like someone said that you have to, and you won't, you won't get what you want if you don't. So it's like not your authentic path, then, then to recognize that. So, um, I think that's one, just start being, for myself, like more conscious of like what's being put 
what's being like asked of me and what me checking in with myself being like, oh, does that really, is that really set with me? Like, is that really how I want to move forward? Um, that's liberating to me. I would actually be interested, Lolita, because you're a conscious parenting coach. I, I, I see one of the things that I can do is really educate myself and all of us how to talk to our daughters about like what beauty is. Mm-hmm. And like, I'd be interested, I don't know if you have any resources or anything um, from a conscious parenting coach perspective of like how to like create that context and in a way that actually like empowers them so we can, you know, shift it for the next generation. Well, the first thing is to stop telling little girls that they're cute and pretty. Mm. I was standing in the line at the market the other day, and there was a a man standing next to a mom and her daughter. And the daughter was probably about six years old. And he was really well-intended. And he told her, you are so pretty. You are the prettiest girl in here. Mm. And I turned around and I said, and you're so smart. And you're so talented. I bet you have a lot of talents, don't you? And you are really creative. You strike me as a girl who can do a lot of things. And he he got it. And he started to take my lead. And he gave her other compliments that were beyond just what she looks like. So I think the first thing is stop telling little girls that they're cute and pretty. And start recognizing them as so much more. Because we really are. Uh, The next thing I would say is to model it. If she sees you owning your beauty and looking in the mirror with loving and accepting eyes, she's going to she's gonna take that on because kids learn by example. Words don't teach, experience teaches. So as children experience us being embodying what we want them to be, there's really no other thing for them to do than to take it on themselves. That's beautiful what you're saying, you know, that it, it starts... It starts within us and, you know, what we're projecting out. And um, for me... I have, one, I have one question. Sorry. <laughs> Can we tell them they're pretty and other things? Can we, like, say you're pretty and kind and talented? Or you're saying don't say that at all? Because I remember as a little girl, my mom would tell me I was beautiful. And, and I got that I was beautiful. But other like she would tell me other things also. And I feel like that did make a difference for me. So I'm just curious. And maybe it's something we just have to like discover more. But I'm, I'm curious if like you just, you're saying not at all. Or like. You know, I, I don't think that it's about not saying it at all. But it's just about recognizing that whatever you emphasize for them, they're going to naturally take on. So if it felt good to you to be told you're beautiful, you're naturally going to go out into the world and seek validation that you're beautiful, whether it be from men or from sisters or from, you know, people in the world, social media followers, whoever it is, you know, it's really setting a precedence. And so I'm not saying don't say it. I'm saying be mindful and be aware. Because there's an impact. I mean, when you're saying this right now, it makes me think when I was younger, like people would say like, oh, you're the prettiest girl in the room. And what that cre- what that downloaded in my mind is nowadays, as you know, since, since I'm 18, like if, well, really my whole life, but in my adulthood, I can see that if I'm not the prettiest girl in the room, I feel mm. threatened. And before I did any sort of self-discovery, I couldn't be with other beautiful women. The fact that I'm in a room with... Well, there's 10 of us, 10 gorgeous women, or actually there's not 10 of us, there's nine of us. Gorgeous women is a huge breakthrough, but something I had to overcome completely because I now embrace that it's a privilege to be in a room, be amongst 
women and to be amongst beauty, but it's not something to compare yourself to or to feel like threatened by. Um, and it's something that I'll always have to kind of let go. Like, oh, you don't care if you look that pretty, just you be with people. But it's always there. Right. It's always kind of living there because a part of you does care. And it's not only we don't only get it from our parents. We get it from Barbie dolls and we get it from Disney movies and it's everywhere in our society. It's, it's constant. And so I think that as people who have children in our lives, the first and foremost thing that we can do is to be aware of that and, and to be mindful of it and to find other qualities in both little boys and girls that we want to highlight and acknowledge and celebrate. I'd like. I'd like to speak to what you were saying about also presenting it to them, like being comfortable with yourself. And a lot of people, a lot of women especially, aren't ever taught that. And there's a resource that I'd like to just put out there for people to practice that for themselves. And it's a book called Calling in the One. It's by Catherine Woodward Thomas. And it's really about finding yourself, loving yourself, and I think like if anybody wants to practice that so they are a better representation for their little girls, like there's an opportunity for you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Considering that uh, in this group, I'm the oldest person who's been living in this patriarchal world culture. Um, you know, I'm not really convinced that hardcore feminism is basically the counter to the PWC. That's what I'm concerned about. What we're trying to do is tr figure out a solution to have this evolution of culture that's not based on oppression or propaganda. So I was thinking, you know, you take something as basic, you know, as hair removal, right? And we know it's tedious as fuck. It hurts sometimes. But for some reason, it's become part of our routine, just something as simple as hair removal, right? And when I think about it and do little research, I see that even in the Roman time and Egyptian time, they were, uh, Egyptians were totally bare, men too. So it's like to think, first of all, where did these trends come from? That's like the first thought, right? Where did these trends come from? And uh, we clearly know that it's Hair is natural, so it's basically unnatural to shave, right? But we've all been programmed that it's important to shave. So what I think is interesting for me, uh, having started working in the 80s, mid-80s, it was, and looking back where, where we are now, back then, you wouldn't be seen dead in an office without fucking pantyhose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, sometimes you bring an extra pair in case you get a dumb old run in it, or you make sure you get the, what is it, clear fingernail polish, so if you get a run, right? Mm -hmm. And you would not be caught dead in my time. So, That's still strong on the East Coast, by the way. Is it? Really? Yeah. 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 So I think when I'm looking at it from a historical context, both that it's, you know, the Romans and then my own lifetime, I can see that, you know, What's so great now, what really encourages me is that now we all have a choice, right? Wear pantyhose, not wear pantyhose. You know, if you want to sport your underarm hair, people are cool with it now, basically, right? If you want to have fully bare pussy, there's nothing wrong with that. Or you want to have a full-on bush, there's nothing wrong with that. We have these choices. So I guess what I really want to say is that for me... It's so important that all of us women together 
don't judge each other's choices, that we accept them, we celebrate them, we honor their choices, and that if you want to get Botox, if you want to get plastic surgery, if you want to get butt implants, or if you want to be Helen Mirren as opposed to Joan Rivers in Hollywood and out in the world, that's your choice. Just do it with an empowered feeling when you make that choice, whether you do extensions or cut your hair, cut all your pussy hair off. You don't have to think, oh, I got that from porn. That's porn. Oh, women who do that, they're just buying into the PWC because of the porn they're watching. And right away, we cause this divisiveness between women by judging each other. It's okay if that girl wants to take pictures on Instagram and show her booty all the time. Maybe she's making a shit ton of money and helping her family. Good for her. So I feel like with the PwC that the only way we're going to change it as women is when we fully accept and celebrate each other's choices and encourage each other to have that empowered choice. So that's kind of my thoughts on, you know, because I'm always, like Katie was saying, I'm always trying to decide, am I doing this because of propaganda and because I'm in Hollywood, because I'm in L.A., I'm supposed to do this? Or am I doing it because I want to feel good and be pretty? And sometimes it's hard to figure that out. But I think if other women were supporting whatever choice that I was making and I didn't feel anyone was judging me, I could do it freely. So, Oh, thanks, Mama Bear. Yep. And that's totally, like, goes with the gender harmony that we're looking to create between men and women. Like, not a feminist movement, but, like, a— way that men and women can exist together and respect each other and love each other um, in a way where our society is kind. I really believe it starts with ourselves. The less self-judgment we hold against ourselves, the less we judge outward. And it really is a journey of healing and a journey of love and acceptance. And it starts by recognizing that we've been programmed and conditioned inside of this patriarchal world culture to turn in against ourselves. So something that I would like to share with you now is one of my favorite exercises that I've come across to date. And it really allows us to celebrate each other and the way that that we're talking about and really seeing each other fully. I know that we all have a need to be seen, to be heard, and to be understood. And I think this exercise really allows us to have that experience. So if it doesn't work for you to do this now, I really invite you to try it later. Whenever you get a chance, whether it's with a sister, a friend, a mother, a brother, a husband, partner, whatever it may be, or if you're alone, you can do this in the mirror, which is just as effective, if not more. And this exercise is called The Beauty I See in You. And you start by looking into your partner's eyes or into your own eyes if you're in the mirror. And you take turns saying, the beauty I see in you is. So we're going to go ahead and demo it here in the studio with Katie and Julie. Okay. Okay. So, I'm looking so you say something, then I say something? No, I say something. I say I talk to you for like a full minute. Right? Whoa. You can go back and forth. Oh, we can go back one. and forth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We did it in a meeting that we once had, and we did two minutes each, and it's really fun. Okay, so we'll go back and forth. So I'm looking into Julie's eyes. The beauty that I see in you is your beautiful green eyes and your full, grounded heart 
and your bravery for like trailblazing through this industry the way that you have and creating it all on your own. The beauty I see in you is this childlike innocence and love. Like you're my little sister or my big sister (laughs) or my twin sister. (laughs) And you have such a beautiful, playful, kind spirit. Mm. Thank you. (laughs) The beauty I see in you is your wild, like, so fun little girl side where we get to, like, run around and not give a shit what anyone else thinks. And I love that you bring that to my life. And that's one of some of my most fun times with you. (laughs) The beauty I see in you is your power and ambition and you're just fucking taking life by the balls and <laughs> rip them out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm weird. Rip by the pussy. Yeah. And, um, and your creativity and tenacity. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Should I do one more? Okay. The beauty I see in you is an endless amount of creativity and endless amount of love and so much drive Mm -hmm. to be heard and to be authentic and to be like this beacon of hope for women and just running with it. Day to day, pounding the pavement, putting the work and doing the time. It's inspiring. <laughs> the beauty I see in you is so much love and so much bravery in creating this podcast with this amazing group of women talking about these things that are not easy to talk about but that need to be need to be out there um and i'm so proud of you i really am so proud of you and i'm so proud that you're my friend <laughs> i love you so much thank you so much for coming here today Aww. i love you so much too yeah <laughs> <Hug>. <laughs> And we're going to say goodbye in our clit talk tradition, the pussy chant. So take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, and in your own unique way, say pussy. Pussy. Great job, ladies. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and all you other freaks out there, it's been an incredible episode. Um, Thank you for tuning in. 
So as always, thank you so much for tuning in to Clit Talk. I wanted to, and all of us girls here in the studio, wanted to extend a very personal thank you to Julie Lake for coming on the show today. You you made a difference for me, and I'm sure you made a difference for all the people out there listening today. Like your raw, honest um, stand for for what's possible in the world is really incredible. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You guys inspire me. (laughs) (laughs) And if you would like to um, follow Julie and see some of her beautiful makeup-free selfies, you can follow her on Instagram at Julie underscore underscore Lake. And Julie is spelled J-U-L-I-E underscore underscore L-A-K-E or her website julielakeactress.com perfect and as always in between episodes come on over to our website clittalkshow.com it's a two way conversation and our Instagram which is at clittalkshow thank you so much ladies and gentlemen (laughs) did you just love this episode of clit talk well shit then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe but only if you want amazing orgasms also while you're over there please rate us and leave a review but again only if we're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships and world peace and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, It's very much appreciated and thank you.